from the heart of our nation's capital. Here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, thanks for tuning in for this Friday edition of Washington Watch. Coming up, Congress has left for the week, but when they return next week, one of the measures waiting for action is the annual National Defense Authorization Act, which, in its amended form, could be in serious trouble. At a time of huge trouble for global security, Doing the defense authorization bill is more important than ever. The annual defense bill is a prime example of both sides cooperating on a strong bipartisan package to strengthen America's national security, to take care of our service members, keep the United States the leader in innovation. That was Senate Scare Leader Chuck Schumer yesterday after the conference committee language on the NDAA was released which, by the way, stripped out about 95 percent of the House-approved pro-family language. We're going to break the bill down with Missouri Congressman Eric Burleson in just a moment. Also, after Senate Republicans rejected the Democrats' $105 billion additional funding for Ukraine, uh, Taiwan, and Israel, the stalled talks over border security have been given new life. And here's what he needs to understand. If you don't use your executive tools or work with us for a statutory solution, none of us who are supportive of Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan can vote uh, on a supplemental because you're making us pick countries abroad over our own homeland security. That was South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham yesterday telling President Biden that unless he agrees to border protections... There will be no supplemental bill. The United Nations Security Council met in an emergency meeting today in New York after the U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres evoked a rarely used Article 99 in an effort to stop Israel from defending itself from the Hamas terrorist organization. The people of Gaza are looking into the abyss. The international community must do everything possible to end their ordeal. I urge the Council to spare no effort to push for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire for the protection of civilians and for the urgent delivery of life-saving aid. That was the U.N. Secretary General today at the special meeting of the Security Council. Within the last hour, the United States Representative Ambassador Robert Woods exercised the U.S.'s veto power, effectively killing the ceasefire resolution put forward by Guterres. What is Article 99, and why should we ignore the U.N. Secretary? We're going to talk about that. Suzanne Bowdy, editorial director and senior writer for The Washington Stand, joins me later on this Friday edition. And finally, on this Friday edition, I have a very special guest who's going to join me in studio. But you're going to have to stick around to find out who it is. The website, TonyPerkins.com, lots of information there for you. Be sure and check it out. Our word for today comes from John chapter 19. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Notice that Jesus, taking care of the spiritual needs of mankind, paused to provide for the physical needs of his mother. You see, our responsibilities in the home are never superseded by those on the outside, whether it's business, education, entertainment, or even ministry itself. We must never forget nor neglect our family responsibilities. To find out more about FRC's journey through the Bible, go to FRC. Org Bible. You can also join me every morning on Facebook or at TonyPerkins.com for a morning devotion based upon our daily Bible reading plan. Congress released its latest version of the $886 billion National Defense Authorization this week. It was the conference committee report that came back from both the House and Senate conferees but among the many problems with the bill, it does not include the Jackson-Roy Amendment to block the Pentagon's illegal abortion funding policy. The proposed language of the NDAA has also drawn fire for extending the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA, into the spring. But I'll note that the current version of NDAA does contain some, and I would say some, conservative provisions that were put in by the House regarding the military's DEI policies 
And despite uh, its failure to block the taxpayer funding of abortion, uh, there are still some Republicans supporting the bill. But its future is questionable. Join me now to discuss this and more. Congressman Eric Burleson, he serves on the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, the House Transportation Committee, the Infrastructure Committee, and the House Committee on Education and the Workforce. He represents the 7th Congressional District of Missouri. Congressman Burleson, welcome back to the program. Good to see you, Tony. So let me just get your thoughts on the current version of the NDA, the conference committee report that came back stripping out about 90 percent of the conservative provisions put in back in uh, in in July. Yeah, I'm extremely disappointed. I I keep hearing that we're going to we're going to fight. But every time we get to the time in which it's time to fight, we keep kicking the can down the road. Um, it's it's extremely, extremely disappointing to see all of, you know, the vast majority of our what I would think is common sense provisions, certainly conservative provisions that that we put in place really to stop this Biden administration from doing some of this crazy woke uh, and liberal efforts. And, 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 and in the case of the abortion transportation, very dangerous, in my opinion, I, I think that. Um, as a believer, the fact that we are going to, if we vote for this bill in its current form, your vote is a vote of affirmation over the Biden's policies that you're not going to try to re- remove in this bill. And I cannot in good conscience vote uh, unless we are able to strip out the money that's being used for, to fund abortion travel. Congressman, the the media is saying, well, you know, the, the, the Republicans are trying to interject their social policies into the Department of Defense, into the NDAA. But all of these policies, which the Republicans were addressing in their version of the NDAA, which uh, passed, I believe, back in July, went over to the Senate. And the Senate's now, they've passed their version. And this is the conference committee, which essentially, as I mentioned, dropped about 95 percent of the Republican or the, the House conservative language. Everything the House did was simply addressing what the Biden administration did on its own. This wasn't something that Congress did a couple of years ago, and you're just now correcting it. If, if I'm not mistaken, this is all being driven by the Biden administration. Absolutely, Tony. These are all, you know, the criticism that, that we're trying to politicize this is actually the opposite, because we're trying to remove a lot of these these politic, politicalizations or, and, and what I consider a misuse of, of the Department of Defense. So whenever they're using taxpayer dollars to fund drag queen story hours on these on our military bases or, uh, you know, it creating, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion offices and hiring people that are that are specific to those roles. Um, that's one thing. But what I cannot tolerate is that we're going to continue the process of, of paying for the travel expenses of people who want to get an abortion. You know, look, for a long time, for like 40 years, there was an agreement between Republicans and Democrats that that the government would not fund, use taxpayer dollars to fund abortions. And Joe Biden has thrown that concept out of the window. And to me, he's the one that, that made this a political process. Uh, Congressman Burleson, I, I agree with you 100 percent because I, I think this is precedent setting because, as you stated, this has been the policy for decades that we would not force taxpayers into a position of having facilitate or fund abortion in any form or fashion. That's been common ground. But unilaterally, the Biden administration pushing this. Now, let me point out, as I understand, in continuing or uh, that's uh, still in this conference committee report is language regarding the uh, DEI programs, putting some caps on the spending there, not really changing it much, but just kind of looks like it's just kind of corralling it, restraining it's, it. Yeah, putting caps on it. Right. But does nothing. Not eliminating it. Nothing to this, what I call moral issue. Of, of abortion, which is, uh, to me, probably the most important aspect of the NDAA. 
Not, not to, I mean, I'm, I'm all for the military. I'm a veteran. I'm all for the military. But we should not allow it to be politicized in advancing this pro-abortion agenda. But, Congressman, let me ask you something else, because what's drawn a lot of concern and opposition that I'm hearing is the inclusion in this bill of the FISA provisions, would, uh, which would allow the federal government to continue its surveillance, yes, of foreign actors, but there's been a lot of concern over how the Biden Department of Justice and the intelligence community has been operating. Yeah, there have been there are a lot of concerns. There have been over 200,000 times that this system has been abused, particularly by the FBI. And what, what that means is for the American people, for your listeners, is that uh, there's a good chance that you or your neighbor have had their emails or or text threads or other communications read because it was lumped in with other foreign nationals inadvertently. And that should never be the case. We should require a warrant as is protected under the fourth amendment. Uh, But we have really with this FISA, we have thrown that out the window. So I I think to, to vote for a clean FISA reauthorization is, is, is really awful to the, the rights of the American people. And so whenever they, they push back on me, you know, when the press, um, even Fox News push, push back on me saying, you know, but don't you, what, aren't you worried that if we don't reauthorize FISA, that there's going to be an attack and then the blood will be on your hands? And, you know, Tony, my response is that, that American patriots have already shed blood for the rights that you and I hold. Today, First Amendment rights, Fourth Amendment rights, these are so sacred that people sacrifice their lives to defend you know, their families and their posterity. And for us to ignore that and throw those rights out the window, we are doing a disservice to all of the men and women who have sacrificed for I, those rights. I, I agree. I think there's a path forward to where we can do both. But this, you know, a clean, as you pointed out, a clean reauthorization does not do that because we've seen the abuses of this administration. And any tool we give them should be heavily monitored and Congress should have oversight, which they've not had of FISA. That's right. And, And, Tony, part of this is that we're in the situation where we only control the House. We don't have the Senate. We don't have the White House. So... We can either go down two paths. We can get bold and, and stare down some of these deadlines and go past some of these deadlines to, to pressure and the, the Senate and the White House to take the Republican measures, to take some of these reforms to FISA, to take the abortion language reform in the NDAA. But because we're not, if we're not willing to do that, if we're not willing to go beyond, beyond the brink, then, then the other side knows that ultimately they've won. Yeah. If we are not willing to let FISA expire, we're going to have to take whatever the Senate wants. And, I, and that's what's so dis, disappointing to me. I, I would like to see a lot more courage come out of the House, and particularly out of House leadership, to be able to say, look, if, it, if we're, we're abortion and funding for taxpayer funding for abortion is so important that we're if it's not included, we're going to have to right. let the NDAA and, expire. And we may very well see that this uh, this coming week. Uh, Congressman Burleson, I want to thank you for joining us and uh, have a Merry Christmas. Thank you. You too. Merry Christmas. All right, folks, stick with us. We're back to break this down further after the break. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific 
specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Friday. I know normally Jody Heiss is sitting in for me, but um, I'll let him have the afternoon off. I'm such a nice boss. Well, as we come to the end of this year, I want to invite you to, to join with the Family Research Council and Washington Watch as we prepare for 2024. It's going to be a big year. It's going to be a lot going on. And we've got some folks that have put forward a matching challenge so that whatever you give between now and December 31st will be matched. It'll be doubled. So if you give a gift today, well, if you give $20, it becomes $40. $50 becomes 100 $100,000 becomes $200,000. So get your checkbook out. But seriously, we've got folks uh, standing by from our, our team are standing by to take your call. So give us a call. Don't let it be lonely. Call them 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. All right, we're going to continue the discussion on the National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA. It's a busy time here in Washington, D.C., with the possible advancement of presidential impeachment proceedings or inquiry next week. But with the few legislative days remaining, which is basically next week, the NDA remains the largest annual bill on Congress's plate leading up to the Christmas recess. But the question is, will House Republicans pass this really gutted version of the NDA that includes the left's priorities of taxpayer funding of abortion, trans surgeries, Joining me now to discuss this is Suzanne Bowdy, editorial director and senior writer at the Washington Stand, who published a commentary this morning on the NDAA abortion battle. Suzanne, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks, Tony. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. By the way, before we get started, tell folks about uh, how they can find out what's happening at the stand. Yeah, we publish news from a biblical worldview. You can find us at thewashingtonstand.com. We have commentary. We have news. We're touching on all the things happening on the Hill. We're touching also on the guests that you have on radio show, just breaking news. So if people want the written version of uh, Washington right. Watching, often get, uh, when I do a good job, they can get, uh, <laughs> they can read about it. So let's talk about the NDA battle that is really being teed up for next week. This comes just, well, this week, Coach Tuberville ended his 10-month hold 
on military promotions, which really brought attention to this illegal abortion travel policy. Now, some of those defending this are saying, well, the the, the Pentagon's reporting that only 12 women took advantage of this. So we're only talking about 12 abortions. So what's the big deal? It's 12 lives. Would we say that if there were a shooting and 12 children were dead? These are these are individual precious human lives. It doesn't matter the number of lives that are lost. It's the principle of the thing. And in fact, they're saying 12 people have taken advantage of this policy, but the Biden administration actually admitted to the Heritage Foundation that this could escalate. It may be 12 women now. It could be 4,000 women in years to come. So we're not just talking about 12 quote unquote lives. Well, isn't that the case when we prior to the Hyde Amendment, when the federal government was funding abortion? What happens when the government funds something? Whenever the government subsidizes something, it expands. We saw that, you know, I was here back in the Obamacare debates. We tracked what would happen if taxpayer funded abortion was included in health care. And what you saw was a massive increase as much as 40 percent when we're not acting under the Hyde Amendment, which doesn't allow taxpayer funding to go for abortion. And it certainly shouldn't here. The Biden administration acted unilaterally. I heard you talking to the congressman before and you asked, you know, what kind of precedent would this set? And the precedent that it would set is that you don't need Congress to legislate. You can just make up your own rules as you go. There's an executive branch and a legislative branch for a reason, and Biden has overstepped his boundaries. A very good point. There are really two issues here. One is, you know, the issue of, well, it's just 12, and you're absolutely right, it will grow. Mm -hmm. But if if someone commits one murder, they're a murderer. If they commit mass murder, they're a murderer. The moral situation is still the same. It is the taking of unborn life. So whether it's one life, 12 lives, 12,000 lives, 12 million lives— the principle is there. It matters. Right. So it sets a precedent, number one, that for four decades we've had this agreement that taxpayers are not going to be inter, you know, entangled Forced. in right. this funding scheme for abortion. So that's number one. But your second point needs a lot of attention because if Congress allows an administration to unilaterally ignore the law, what's next? Well, they're making themselves irrelevant, which I think is interesting. I don't understand why the Senate is not lining up to say this is our job. This isn't your job. I'm not so sure that that's really the mindset of many in Congress. You know, for years they allowed the courts to do a lot of this stuff. And they would say, oh, the court is taken away. But, in the you know, behind the scenes they were clapping about it because they didn't have to make difficult votes. Didn't want to get their hands dirty. Just like yeah. on the issue of abortion. The courts took it out of the hands of lawmakers for years, but now it's back into their hands. They don't want to deal with it. And, and this is a prime example because they're allowing the Biden administration to unilaterally make the decisions and they don't want to vote on it. And yet they'll go to the mat on the border. They'll go to the mat on funding for Ukraine. But this is a bright red line, as you've called it, that if once we cross it, we can't go back. What about taxpayer funded abortion and health care, as you said, or everywhere? I mean, you just can't return. Once you give evil an inch, it will take a mile. And we saw this with the Obamacare debate. I mean, this isn't the first time that Democrats have tried to bring taxpayer-funded abortion right. into legislative policy. The difference now is they're not trying to do it legislatively. They're bypassing Congress, and that's where the American people really need to get involved and say this is not about 12 lives. This is not even about the NDAA. This is about our system of government, and it's about the way we need to work right. moving forward. They, they have pushed – they're going to push Republicans – to the wall and say, this is about national security. That's what the FISA is is being interjected into this. If you don't do this, America is going to be attacked. But these are principles that this nation has been standing upon, the rule of law, for nearly 240 years. And so to allow them to be attacked by the left, the, the damage would be irreparable. Right. And and Sec- or Speaker Johnson, excuse me, is in a tight spot. He's got a very narrow majority. So the more people weigh in, even right. if you think your congressman isn't paying attention to them, you need to make them pay attention to this issue. Yeah, folks, uh, we're up against a break. But let me give you that capital switchboard number where you can call your member of Congress. It's 202-224-3121. Or you go to TonyPerkins.com and we can connect you by email. But you need to weigh in and say, look, 
if you're not going to protect, if, if the NDAA language is not going to protect life and get me out of the abortion business, don't vote for it. This, this is, as, as Suzanne said, a red line. This is a red line. All right, we're going to continue this conversation. Also going to take a look at the Ukraine funding, the supplemental $105 billion. Those discussions back on track now as Republicans in the Senate held firm and stopped it in its tracks over border security issues. Also going to touch on the United Nations and their attempt to basically call for a ceasefire. That's next. Don't go away. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be giving guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. This is Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us on this Friday edition of Washington Watch. I'm continuing my conversation with Suzanne Bowdy, editorial director and senior writer at the Washington Stand. Suzanne, thanks for sticking around. I have no choice. I know, I'm the boss. <laughs> You're my so, boss. Yeah, I guess I have. I wonder how that worked. So I was reading uh, some articles today criticizing the Republicans because they've really got nothing done. And they, they, they haven't passed a lot of stuff. They've got the funding gun. The government didn't shut down. They've got the NDA teed up. And, you know, they were saying, well, this is a do-nothing Congress. Yeah, well, they call the Senate the most deliberative body in the world. And in this case, we don't want them to deliberate anymore. If they're going to pass an NDAA that funds taxpayer-funded abortion and DEI drag shows, we're also talking about taxpayer-funded gender transition surgeries in right, the military. Right, that was actually taken out that's of the House. That's not gotten any attention, right. but that's actually a way bigger expense and also just a heinous thing that we would be pulling men and women who were having trouble recruiting out of the line of duty, paying for their surgeries, then they're undeployable. That's also been stripped out of the NDAA. Well, actually, I think in, in many cases that's being used to recruit people mm-hmm. who are... Come get free surgery. Right, right. exactly. But I, I actually think that a do-nothing Congress is good mm-hmm. because I can't recall when Congress did anything good for the American people... As long as they keep us safe and take care of the basics, I don't want Congress doing things. I think gridlock is good because it provides some stability. I mean, you think about it. We talked about this with uh, Congressman Burleson. The Republicans have a three-seat margin. It's soon to be down to one. So you've got one chamber out of the congressional legislative branch. Then you've got to deal with the, 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 the executive branch controlled by Biden. So the, the Republicans have very little that they could do. They certainly can't advance anything in this environment. So if they can kill stuff, all the better. 
Right. And I'm, I'm very interested. You're on the Hill a lot, so I'm going to turn the tables on you. But what are you hearing? Is there a possibility for a grand bargain where we're talking about the NDAA before the end of the week, Ukraine aid bundled with Israel and also so many things? Do you think they can get that done? What are you hearing? Well, I, I do think that the supplemental funding for Ukraine with border security issues has the highest probability of passing. Because the Republicans are united. The uni they're, they're united on the border. The American public have, has elevated that issue to probably the number one national security issue. With bipartisan support. Right, with right. bipartisan support. And the, the, in the a rare occurrence of the Senate Republicans this week voting against the $105 billion supplemental, that makes it very clear to Chuck Schumer, the scare leader in the Senate, that there's no path forward without it. And so even today, President Biden signaling that he's willing to make some negotiations. Now, the good news, and we've talked about this on the program with members of the Senate, is that they're smarter than just to uh, accept more government funding for border security and window addressing. They want numbers. Right. They want to show a reduction since we this year, this this week, set another record with uh, illegal crossings. crossings yeah. yeah. I, I want to talk about the United Nations. And today, in fact, this was a little surprising. Uh, Robert Woods, the ambassador to the United Nations uh, in the Security Council, uh, an emergency meeting called by Guterres, the Secretary General, using Article 99, which hasn't been used since 1971, used it to try to force a ceasefire on Israel. That, uh, that effort failed this afternoon about an hour and a half ago. Right. And it failed because the United States vetoed it. And the United States was the only country to veto it, which is shocking, I believe, when you consider all that's gone on in Israel, the videos that have been released, the atrocities that we know that have been committed there. It's shocking to me, but I am grateful that the United States found its spine and did decide to say, hey, this isn't a humanitarian crisis in Gaza. What happened on October 7th was the humanitarian crisis against innocent right. civilians. You know, I, I, I don't want to see anybody, um, I don't want to see any loss of life, but I've been there many times, and if the, if the Israelis are not allowed to secure their own country, America is going to pay a price for that. And, and we need to ignore the United Nations and this Secretary General, Guterres. The United States should not give a penny to this moron who is running the place. I want to play this clip from uh, October 24th that he had and just show you kind of his orientation. Clip 10, please. The attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. The Palestinian people have been subjected to 56 years of suffocating occupation. They have seen their land steadily devoured by settlements and plagued by violence. Their economy stifled, their people displaced, and their homes demolished. Their hopes for a political solution to their plight have been vanishing. I, I mean, the only vacuum is, you know, between his ears when it comes right. to understanding what's happening here. And this is the United Nations has become not just, a, you know, a, I'm trying to. Be careful what I say here. They just—they're no longer just a distraction. No, they are advocating for the enemies of freedom. Right. They've become a satellite office of Hamas, and you have to wonder what is happening at the UN. What do you think their agenda is in this? What do you think his end game is? It is certainly not to stand with Israel or freedom. It is to advance the Marxist ideology and the agenda of radical Islamists. So. We're out of time on this conversation, but uh, look, the United States should get out of the United Nations. We should not be funding them at all. Trump had us moving in the right direction, Biden in the wrong. Suzanne Bowdy, thanks so much for joining us. I hope you have something to write about. Now. I sure do. Thanks, Tony. All right. All right, folks, uh, on the other side of the break, still more Washington Watch to come. Let me encourage you to check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. Find out resources and how you can get on the mailing list of the Washington Stand. A special guest right here next on Washington Watch. Tune in to find out who. Don't go away. We're back right after this.
Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Yes, it is. Merry Christmas. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Friday afternoon, the website, TonyPerkins.com. And by the way, folks, we, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we do have team members standing by to take your call. If you'd like to partner with us, Washington Watch is a product of the Family Research Council. We do not get any. We do not receive any federal funds. We are here simply because folks like you across this nation who are generous in your support. And so if you'd like to partner with us as we come to the end of the year, it's an important time of year for nonprofit organizations. I have team members standing by to take your call at 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. And because of a challenge match that some of our very generous donors have put forward, whatever you get between now and December 31st will be matched. It'll be doubled. So call us, 800-225-4008. Let me uh, tie up some loose ends here before I bring in my special guest here in this final segment of uh, Friday's program. So we were talking about the National Defense Authorization Act, which is going to be teed up this next week. The conference language, as we talked about, uh, is problematic. It does not include the pro-life, pro-family, pro-common sense language returning the military to what it was before. So this is nothing new. It's not like the conservatives are adding new conservative elements. They're simply returning it to what it was before the Biden administration. And it wasn't Congress that changed it. It was the Biden administration unilaterally doing it, rejecting 40 years of bipartisan agreement that taxpayers would not be involved in abortion. No longer the case. 
in the Department of Defense under this administration. So give your member of Congress a call, and you can call them 225, 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. is the capital switchboard number. They'll connect you with the office and just tell them, look, until we are out of the abortion business and we're abiding by the law, do not vote for the National Defense Authorization Act. So take that action today. All right, the Christmas season provides us a wonderful reminder each year that God loves us so much. He loves us so much that he sent his son to save mankind. And and let me personalize that, not just mankind, but you and me, so that we might have eternal life in him. And not just eternal life, but abundant life. And the season allows us a moment in our busy lives to pause, to spend time with family and friends, to instruct our children on the beauty of Christmas, the beautiful story, and to establish family traditions to reinforce these learnings. It's a time to, it's really a time to build family and community in the home. And I'm pleased to welcome a very special guest to discuss this. My wife and the steward of many Perkins family traditions, Luana Perkins. Welcome, Luana Perkins, to Washington Watch. Thank you. Well, let's talk about this. We have been married now going on almost 39 years, right? 38. Well, is it going on 38? Going on 38. Okay, all right. Well, I'm close. All right. So let's talk about some of those traditions that uh, have really become, now that You know, we're not just parents of five, but we're now grandparents. How important is it, as you look back, the Christmas season and establishing these family traditions that really become anchors? You know, one of the things that we've always tried to do is to make sure that we keep Christ the center of Christmas, because after all, that's what Christmas is. It's the celebration of his birth. And, um, but there are some fun things that we do as a family, um, for probably 25, maybe 30 years, we've been making pralines and, um, I think it's 35 years. Okay. (laughs) 35 years. You used to make them to begin with. I used to make them, but I've trained up a generation to make them now. And, um, so I started making them and, you know, as the kids got older, uh, they've been able to make them. In fact, uh, two are at home right now making pralines. But those are just, um, those are fun times that we get together, and um, and we're excited about doing things together, cooking together, uh, whether it's one is making the pralines, the other's packaging them, um, but they are, um, they are fun, and the kids remember them. But let me step back. It's not just Christmas in which we, we focus on building family traditions. Right. So these things are important all year long. It's not just one time a year. But there's special things that we do yes. that are um, a part of the Christmas season. Another one that, that, uh, that we tend to do is we watch Christmas, music, uh, Christmas movies. A lot of people do that. But uh, that has become kind of a, a tradition and some aren't so happy about some of the movies we watch because we know all the lines by memory, but it's it's still a tradition. One of the one of our daughters said, um, and I won't say who it is, um, but she said, "Mom, be sure and tell them that we watch the same movies every year." I'm up at Christmas Carol, and um, it's a Wonderful Life. We laugh at the same lines every year, like we've never seen them before, but. They enjoy them. And I will also say, you know, after watching those movies for 30 years, especially our older adult children, um, they're, they'll say, well, maybe we'll let's not watch that one this year. And so it's okay to change and watch new movies. But, you know, those are fun movies. Our kids remember the, the lines. In fact, there's one, um, for some reason, uh, There's a part in one of the movies that if you watch it online, um, they've cut out one of the songs. And we always made fun of the song. But now when the song is not there, the kids are going, what? What did they do with the song? 
So you know, what those do is just like anything else. It's a common, it's a common currency. It's something we have in right. common that you build around. And so these things actually, these lines from these movies pop up throughout the year, yes. not just at Christmas time. But let's talk about uh, Luana. How parents and grandparents can need to, but can keep Jesus at the center of the family and of the celebration. You know, what are some of the things that can be done there? To Because it's great to have celebrations. It's great to have traditions, but they, they need to be rooted in deep meaning. And, and, and right. what, uh, being homes, a homeschool family, we look at everything as an educational opportunity. Right. And so we never miss an opportunity to take these events, these conversations, and take them to a deeper place of meaning. Right. Uh, you know, the first thing, I mean, one thing that I I do every Christmas season is I just pray, Lord, help us to keep our focus on Jesus, not on uh, the decorating, well, and, and all of those, the gift giving, while all of those things are fun and can be fun, um, we sometimes tend to lose our focus. So first thing, we pray through the season that that you not only you, but, you know, you impart that to your children. When when uh, the kids were little, uh, there was a book called The Jesus Tree, and um, it was about how to incorporate Jesus in every ornament that you put on the tree. And uh, the kids loved that, and they still remember that. We don't read it anymore because it's for younger children. But it was a good way and a good reminder as we decorated the tree. This is about Jesus, not about Santa Claus or reindeer or anything like that. But um, it was a good reminder for us. So speak to a moment to, to young parents about, especially wives, mothers, who often have a lot of things going on this time of year. How do, how do you keep this year, this time of year from becoming a time of stress and anxiety and, and celebrating it and not carrying a, a tremendous weight of anxiety because of family, connect, relations, all these different aspects that are pulling at you? I'm still trying to figure some of that out. Um, I would say pre-planning is great, um, in so many so many times, I tend to be reactionary instead of instead of planning and preparing. Um, I tend to react, and so the more you can pre-plan um, activities or even gift giving, if you can do that in advance, um, it just helps with the stress level. And I would say, when it comes to family traditions, we have a lot of different traditions, a lot of different things that we do every year, but. You don't have to do everything. Just choose one thing. And it doesn't have to be um, expensive. It doesn't have to be um, some grand uh, thing. It can be just a simple, get a box of graham crackers and some icing and maybe some little candies and build a little gingerbread house. Or make make an evening out of decorating the tree that's something yes, that we, we have just doing the- we have a star and i probably i think i've talked about this before we have a star that sits on top of our tree that came from my father's family that was uh, from the uh, the depression era right. and so it's not elaborate no but it sits upon our tree now i used to i would pick the kids up to put it up there on top of the tree and it's almost they can pick me up now collectively but um those are, I mean, they're, they're not big things, but they're, they're memory-making things. And about decorating the tree, you know, as throughout the years, some have been excited about decorating, and then some years they just don't seem as excited. So year before last, um, or last year actually, I just decorated it by myself. I didn't ask anyone. One of my adult children this year said, Mom, please don't decorate until I get off of work. But that was so important, and I didn't realize just how important that was. But just doing that as a family is important. I'm going to go back to the stress, anxiety, because we live in a very polarized society, and families get together at Christmas, 
And sometimes families have differences of opinions. They have different political backgrounds. And there's so many issues that divide us. How do how should we look at these situations, not dreadfully as we're going to have these conversations or we're going to be in these difficult situations, but look at them as opportunities to share the love of Christ? Well, again, I think that goes back to prayer. You pray before you go. And and just because someone has a different opinion than you do on whatever doesn't mean that you have to share your opinion on everything. We don't always have to say, well, I want to let you know what I think. Um, but just to just to love on people and let them know that you love them and, and try to find something common that you can talk about. And especially, you know, let them know that Jesus is the reason that we're celebrating. Um, I think it, it, if we go into it with a mindset of this is an opportunity to maybe we get a chance to talk about it and we'll look for those opportunities, but certainly show the love of, of Christ. Right. And I, and I think oftentimes the gift of our time of just spending time with family and friends is a demonstration of that. Sure. And it is, I think it's a wonderful time to do just that because it is Christmas and it's an opportunity to talk about the reason for Christmas to talk about Jesus and, you know, have those conversations around the table that will, you know, I, I, quite frankly, I don't think that divides. I think that invites people in. I don't particularly care to like to talk about the policy. Everybody wants to know what's happening politically. That's the last thing I want to talk about at Christmas. But we can have those t- talks about things that are, are significant, and it's such an appropriate time. And, and it goes back to what you said. I, I, I believe if we approach this entire season with prayer, Lord, Give me those opportunities in the words to say to share the love of Jesus. And the reason that we celebrate this, because it's been pushed out so much from the broader culture. It's just become, for some, it's just become a time to give gifts, get time off from work and celebrate. But there is a true meaning for this. And we should be intentional about teaching that to our children living it out, sharing it, expressing it. It's, it's, it's a great opportunity, I believe, for evangelism. Right. So what's, what's on your uh, to-do list now for Christmas? What are you looking forward to? Other than going and getting my Christmas present. I've already ordered your Christmas present. Oh, okay. All right. So I guess we're going gonna... to... I have a few gifts left to buy. All right, so we're going to go home, make some pralines, and then uh, what movie are we watching this weekend? We haven't watched It's a we Wonderful Life, so. Probably A Muppet's Christmas Carol. Muppet's Christmas. We have to watch that one. Yeah, yeah. It is one of my favorites. It is one of my favorites. Um, I won't tell you what my favorite lines are, though. Luana Perkins, thanks so much for joining us on this uh, Friday edition of Washington Watch. Well, thank you for having me. It's not often I get to say... I love you to my guest. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And folks, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I do hope that you have a Merry Christmas. And I will say this to you. I love you in the Lord. And I hope you'll continue to tune into Washington Watch. And also take the opportunity during this time of year to to be open and bold about your faith. You know, just why you celebrate. You know, Peter talks about be prepared to to share for the hope that's within us. Well, you know, as we're celebrating and we're joyful during this time of year, we need to be able to say why. We have deep abiding joy because of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And that was God's gift to us. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything that you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action, 
For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 